0: So, Jesus, you are the answer to everything, and we ask that you would use these next few minutes, uh, the words I'm going to speak, the thoughts we're going to spe- uh, think, in order to help us be more like you, uh, learn from your word, and follow you more. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking you a question. If you had to pick between three different categories, which do you most often find yourself in? Bored, burned out, or a little bit of both? And then there's a fourth category I want to talk about in a minute. But which of those three do you most often find yourself in? So, for instance, maybe you're, sometimes you often feel bored. Maybe you're even feeling a little bit bored right now. Not with the sermon, of course. It just started. But, uh, you know, in general, maybe you wish life just feels like it's the same old thing over and over again, and you wish that there was something new, that you had some kind of adventure or excitement in your life because you're feeling bored. Or maybe... It's the opposite. Maybe you feel burned out. You're too busy. You're overwhelmed. There's too much going on and you just wish for some downtime. And then there's probably some of you in this room that you're kind of both bored and burned out. Bored and too busy and you guys are you're just a mess and you don't even know what to do. Well, the passage we read today I think gives us a fourth category that we can always live into. And that is how we can live a life of adventure, meaning, purpose, joy, burn brightly without burning out. Have lots of new things, excitement, but never burn out. So if you're bored or if you're burned out or if you're a little bit of both, this can help. And even if things are going great right now and you feel like you are burning brightly and not burning out, Mark 1, I think, gives us some hints how we can sustain that. This summer, we're going to be preaching through the book of Mark. And Mark is all about Jesus in action. Jesus on an adventure. In fact, if the life of Jesus were an action movie, it would be the Gospel of Mark. And we always want to come up with visual graphics that kind of capture the essence of these sermon series. And so for this one, our graphics person came up with this, which I think is pretty good. You know, life of Jesus were an action movie. It'd be the Gospel of Mark. But you need to know there was an earlier version of this that I think was even better. You see, our graphics guy goes to the same gym I do, and one day he took a picture of me working out that I think captures the essence of adventure really well. (laughs) You just need to know that is not photoshopped, okay? That is the real me underneath these clothes. That's, that's me, action hero. That is what's going on in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is the action hero. It is all about Jesus on an adventure. And you see that from the very beginning. Whereas the other three Gospels start with theological and historical prologues, Mark just jumps right into the story. Whereas the other Gospels focus a lot on what Jesus says, Mark on what he does. Mark moves quickly from one story to the next. The word immediately or its synonyms show up 42 times in the book of Mark, seven times in the first chapter alone. Mark writes his Gospel like I talk, way too fast. At least that's what I've been told, repeatedly. In the first chapter alone, Jesus gets baptized, calls his disciples, preaches in the synagogue, heals Peter's mother-in-law, drives out a demon, and heals a leper. And a lot of that happened in just one day. Jesus and his disciples have a life of adventure, excitement, purpose, joy. They burn brightly, but they do not burn out. So let's walk through this first chapter to see how we can do the same. A couple of things. They all start with the word be. In order to burn brightly without burning out, first be about the father's business. Nobody else's. Not yours, not somebody else's, the father's. See, I think part of the reason we get bored sometimes is because we're not part of God's rescue mission in some bigger way. Maybe we're living life for career or comfort or the next vacation or pleasure or whatever it is, but not doing something that's big and has meaning and purpose. But also, I think if we're burned out, it's because probably we're doing too many things. We're not doing the father's business. We're doing everyone else's, our own, our bosses, what everyone else thinks we should be doing, right? Instead of just the things that God calls us to. Yes, God will call us to serve. God will call us to volunteer. God will call us to do things, but not everything. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. That is, he knew who to heal and who not to heal. Always amazes me about Jesus. He knows who to heal, who not to heal. He knows when to serve. He knows when to rest. Because he was about the Father's business and not anyone else's. The text we read today says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In other words, God is on the move. God has come himself in the person of Jesus to launch his rescue mission to the world. And so Jesus says, repent and believe. And we need to examine those two words a little closer, repent and believe, because they, they matter. Repent. Notice Jesus does not say, repent of your sins, even though that would be the usual phrase. He said, instead, he says just repent. Repent means to turn around, to go the opposite direction. So in other words, repent of what you're doing, turn around from what you're doing so that you can be a part of what God is doing. And then Believe which in our post-enlightenment Western world, we've turned that into giving intellectual assent to a bunch of principles or religious tenets. But that's not what believe means scripturally. Believe in the Bible means to act on what we believe, to act as if what we believe were really true. That's why Jesus says to his disciples, come follow me. He doesn't say, come, let's have a Bible study. That's important too, but the emphasis is not on intellectual assent to a bunch of principles. It's on doing what we say we believe. When I did college ministry, I used to take students rock climbing every year, and at the beginning, the guides would always try to reassure us by showing us how strong the ropes were, how many backup systems they had, right? But there always came this moment when it was time to repel, which is when you jump off a cliff backwards and sort of bounce your way down to the bottom of the the cliff. So when you're ready to jump off the cliff, you clip yourself in and you say, on belay. Belay is a French word meaning, I've lost my mind. And the first time I did it was kind of scary, right? And I remember praying something like, Lord, please don't let me scream like a seven-year-old kid in front of the students. That'd be embarrassing, right? And then I jumped and found that the ropes held and it was fun. It was a blast. Now, here's the thing. I could give intellectual assent all day long to what the guide said about the ropes being secure. But I didn't believe it in a biblical sense. I didn't believe it until I jumped. And if we want to have... Adventure without burnout, we have to believe in the sense of act on what we say we believe, act as if it were true, as if God were really on the move because he is and join him in what he's doing. Not our project, not someone else's project, his project, and we'll have adventure without burnout. But again, it's got to be what the Father is doing, not what everyone else thinks that we should be doing or what we think that we should be doing. Okay, just because someone asks you to do something does not mean you have to do it. So write this down, okay? This is gonna change your life, you Belvutians, you Redmontonians, you Issaquatters, all you overdoers. Write this down. The need is not always the call. The need is not always the call. Jesus did not respond to every need. He only did what the Father was doing. Okay, now I'll talk about how we figure out what God is actually calling us to in a minute, but the point is if we are about God's business, not ours, we'll have adventure without being burned out. And that doesn't necessarily mean quitting your job and moving to Liechtenstein to convert Liechtensteinians as much as I'm sure they need it, okay? But the need is not always the call. It might be simply doing what the Father is doing in your school, in your office, in your neighborhood. Because in all of those places, there is a battle raging between Satan and Jesus for every heart, mind, and soul in that place. And if you get up every morning and say, Jesus, show me what you're doing, where I'm at, Show me how I can be part of your rescue mission in my school, in my office. I guarantee you every day becomes an adventure because you never know how God's gonna use you. There's a man I'll call Ken who prayed that every day and then asked God just show me how you want me to be part of what you're doing. And through a bunch of hints that one of his colleagues was dropping, Ken noticed that this guy seemed to be having some problems in his marriage just from some of the comments he made. So Ken started asking him a bunch of questions on breaks and would ask him to go to lunch and just ask questions. And over time, this guy started asking Ken about his marriage and how come he had a good marriage and how did he keep it good? And Ken was able to kind of talk to this guy, become kind of a mentor. This guy started applying a lot of the stuff that Ken talked to him, ended up saving his marriage, transformed not just his marriage, but his whole attitude on life, all kinds of things. Ken became kind of a stand-in dad for this guy just because he was praying the prayer. Lord, show me what you're doing, where I'm at. What are you doing? And now suddenly Ken loves going to work because he never knows how God's going to use him. Be about the father's business. Second, be interruptible. In this story, Jesus walks up to Simon, who he later renames Peter, and then his brother Andrew, and he says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Then notice what comes next. At once, they left their nets and followed him. At once. No two weeks' notice to the fishing company, right? At once. If we want to have adventure without burnout, we have to be interruptible. If Ken hadn't responded to the nudges he got to pay attention to his colleague's pain he never would have been part of saving a marriage. Be about the father's business. Be interruptible. Third, be who God designed you to be. You know, I've always thought it's kind of interesting that Jesus says to fishermen, follow me and I'll make you fish for people, right? He doesn't say follow me and I'll make you orthopedic surgeons, right? Not even ichthologists, right? Because that's not who they were designed to be. That's not who they were created to be. And again, a lot of times I think if we're bored, it's because we're, we're not living out of our original design. We're trying to fit into what culture or someone else says we're supposed to do and supposed to be. You know, and burnout happens the same way. We're not living out of who God designed us to be. But when we follow Jesus, not ourselves, not someone else's agenda, he takes our skills, our histories, our passions, and he uses them in his rescue mission. And in the process, we get an adventure. His disciples go from making a living to making a difference, all without burnout. Now, we may get tired, okay, but tired is different than burnout. Tired can feel real good. Burnout is just feeling overwhelmed and hopeless, okay? So how do we figure out our original design? If we're supposed to be who God designed us to be, how do we figure that out? I could do a whole sermon on that. Two quick points. First, and most obvious, pray. Only our designer can tell us what he designed us for, so we've got to ask him, what did you design me for? Second, ask yourself this question. What makes you mad, sad, and glad? At the intersection of those three, you may find your call. Our passions can lead us to our purpose. A few weeks ago, someone told me that they took their kids to a monster truck show in Tacoma, and I thought that sounded kind of cool. So I went home, and I asked my kids if they'd like like if they'd like to go because they always think the commercials that they see on TV for those things are really funny you know the announcer comes on with the big ec- echoey voice Sunday 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 in the Tacoma Dome right and they, they always think that's kind of funny so I said you know would you like to go to this monster truck show my daughters made a face and they said oh why would we do that my son said does anything blow up <laughs> I said probably so he said let's go that sounds great Right? his passions led him to what he thought could be an adventure ask yourself, what makes me mad? What makes me sad? What makes me glad? Maybe, maybe when you see people treated unfairly, it makes you mad and sad. And when you see justice happen, it makes you glad. So maybe that means volunteering in one of our justice ministries here at the church, or simply sticking up for someone at work who's being unfairly treated. Maybe what makes you glad is when you see youth thrive and you're sad and mad when they don't. Maybe that means being part of our children or youth ministry here. Maybe it means mentoring a a neighbor or a niece or a nephew or coaching or something like that. Be about God's business. Be interruptible. Be who God designed you to be. And finally, to do those three things, most importantly, be with the Father. Mark 1 records one of the busiest days in Jesus' life. Driving out demons, healing folks, adventure for sure, but he doesn't burn out because he stays connected to God, which is not easy to do, even for Jesus, because all around him, there's all this pressure to do more, be even busier. And you see that in the story where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in in what I think sounds like kind of a funny verse. I don't know if you caught it as Dana was reading it, but, but listen to this. It says, Jesus took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Women, does that sound fair, right? I mean, no more is she cured of this illness and suddenly she has to start cooking and cleaning and all that stuff. I mean, kind of an odd verse, don't you think? It sort of reminds me of when I'm with my in-laws, right? Mostly what I do is sit on their couch and watch sports and news and stuff like that. And my mother-in-law just brings me chips and drinks and I tell her she doesn't have to, but she just keeps bringing me chips and drinks all day long. I love my (laughs) mother-in-law. She's just awesome. Okay, that's not what's happening with Peter's mother-in-law. What I think this shows is she's completely healed. And the response to that is joyful service to Jesus, but not menial service. Because the, the verb it uses here goes back to just in the same chapter, just a few verses earlier. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, and then afterwards, angels come and serve him. And in that verse, they use the same word for serve as they use here. In other words, she's being compared to the angels and their service. But then as soon as she's healed, look what happens next. That evening, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Word is out. Now they all want to be healed. And so Jesus starts healing them. And then it says, very early the next morning, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, Jesus knows he can't sustain that pace without the Father. Jesus knows that the power to heal comes from the Father. Jesus knows that if he is going to be about the Father's business, he needs to connect with the Father to find out what the Father is doing. But then look what happens next. Simon, who later becomes Peter, ever helpful, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. What a statement, man. Every, did you ever feel that way? Everyone is just wanting something from you? Right? And the disciples are really excited about this, and basically they're saying, "Come on, Jesus, man, this is our moment. Everyone wants you. They all let's give them what they want, because then maybe they'll make you chief rabbi, and then we could have a capital campaign, build a giant synagogue, maybe open a theme park. This is, awesome. this is a great career moment, Jesus. Come on. See, on the one hand, this is a huge ego boost. Everyone wants you. Phones ringing, Skype's going off, you've got 10 text messages. Man, you're in demand. Right? Huge ego boost. I know sometimes I fall into the lie that if I'm busy, if people want my time, I must be important. I must matter. I must be significant. But on the other hand, this is a huge amount of pressure. All those expectations. Respond to everyone's ask, you know, from the PTA to the church to the boss, on and on and on. Then maybe I'll feel significant. If everyone wants me to do something, then maybe I'll feel important. Then maybe I'll feel like I'm on an adventure. And yes, Jesus calls us to do some of those things, but not all of those things. That's why we've got to say no sometimes in order to connect with God. Say no to have some space for God and to connect with other people. The biblical word for that is Sabbath. The only way we're going to know what God is asking us to say yes to and no to is if we connect with him. Chart and compass come from thee, Savior, pilot me. Only he can say do this, say no to that. So spend time in worship to focus on him. Spend time reading scripture and praying. Even if you're busy, I know some mothers who will put a video on so so the kids can watch a video while they lock themselves in the bathroom for 10 minutes just so they can pray. Okay, do what it takes. Even if your mind wanders when you pray, so what? Mind wanders all the time when I pray. You know what? Sometimes God has something to say to me where my mind wanders to connect with him, and spend time with people who know us well and can point us to Jesus and can help us discern what to say yes to and what to say no to, and can encourage us to keep doing what God has actually asked us to do, and we can do the same for them. In order to burn brightly without burning out, be about God's business, be interruptible, be who God designed you to be, and in order to do those three things, be with the Father. The woman who I'll call Sarah who used to go to our church here until she and her husband moved to the East Coast to be closer to their kids. And Sarah emailed me a while back to tell me that they'd started to go to the same church as their kids go to, but Sarah was having a really hard time connecting in this, in this new church. She loved being part of us here. She just loved it. And the new church on the East Coast, that East Coast Reserve, she just made it feel like an unfriendly place to her. The, the people never smiled. The people never welcomed her, said hello, anything like that. Right? On top of that, she didn't feel the Holy Spirit moving in that church as often and in the same way that she experienced it here. And on top of all of that, she knew she had to get involved, but she didn't want to just sign up for stuff and become overly busy. So she said this kind of began to get to her after a while. And she said she started to internally whine. Okay, I have no idea what that is since all I know how to do is externally whine, but apparently Sarah has perfected a new technique. Might be helpful, I don't know. Well, this went on for months, and she prayed about it, and one day God gave her an idea that instead of waiting for folks to welcome her at this church even though she was the one that was new she decided in her words to be exceedingly abundantly joyfully me which is a great description of sarah if you know her so she just started greeting people and welcoming them to their church right even though she was the new one she said it was great to be me even in a new place well then a little while later she got a nudge and she and her husband got a nudge to attend a prayer meeting in this church and they got there and there, there were hardly anyone there's hardly anyone there very few people there but Sarah introduced herself, and as she did, she said something about loving Jesus and loving to pray and loving to pray for the church. At which point, one woman in the group started to cry. And then another woman in the group started saying out loud, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, East Coast Presbyterian Church, FYI, that's not normal, okay? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And then, then, the, then the crying woman said that as she was driving to church that night, she was praying, asking God, should I go to a different church? Because there's just so few people here who believe in the power of prayer. That was that night, but then hearing Sarah talk, she felt like Jesus had just answered her prayer and was saying, nope, stay there, I'm bringing you people. Well, then Sarah's husband said, I like to pray too. And all the other people started to say, ooh, a couple, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus, right? So then they all started to pray since that's what they were there to do. And Sarah said, you just feel emotion in the room, and you just feel the Holy Spirit moving in palpable ways. The whole group did and said, wow, this has never happened before in this church. She ended her e- email saying, I believe that having surrendered my concerns about being far from home, not fitting in, fears of being overly committed, Jesus is now showing us a place where we can serve him right here. We left that night with a sense of call and purpose, which was very different from when we walked into that room. Sarah was feeling bored. Lonely, frustrated, but when she got some time with God, allowed God to interrupt her internal whining, when she lived out of her original design and just started to be herself rather than try to conform to that church's culture, and when she got on board with what the Father was doing, not her agenda, not someone else's agenda, what the Father was doing... She found a sense of purpose and belonging, even the beginnings of an adventure as she got to that very night be part of answering a woman's prayer. And yet, it's not a full-fledged adventure just yet, but you know what? When folks start praying in churches, all kinds of crazy stuff starts to happen. I mean, you know, some years back, we had a group of people here who got together just to pray for Africa. That's all they were going to do, just pray for Africa. A couple years later, we're taking trips to Rwanda, preaching in Rwandan prisons, building a center for champions. Sarah and her husband feel like they've taken one step toward being part of something new, something exciting, without getting burned out. So how about you? This week, how can you be about the Father's business? Be interruptible. Be who God designed you to be. And most importantly, be with the Father. So that you are neither bored nor burned out, and certainly not both, But instead, you're engaged in a life full of meaning, purpose, new things, adventure, joy, so that you can burn brightly without burning out. That is Jesus' promise to you. So Holy Spirit, ask that you help us follow Jesus. Help us to hear what he's asking us to do and say no to what he's not asking us to do. Help us to be with you in order to hear that. Make us interruptible. Show us what you've designed us to do, Lord so that we are about your business, changing this world, being part of your rescue plan in a way that brings life and energy and joy without burning us out. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.